back for an end of season special. The season finale. The That's season it. finale. There's your title. There's your title. Season finale, the pod. Championship um, chairman and co-owner, Darren McAnthony. How is it uh, still getting used to it or is it all systems go? Yeah, 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 yeah. Listen, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people. What have you done for me lately? So, you, you, you know, the promotion's long gone now. So now we're on with, like, what have you done for you? You know, you get out off the fans, who we signed and what we signed. Da, 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 da. I'm watching playoff games. Honestly, football fans just like, crack me up. They see a player do a good thing in a playoff game and you're suddenly getting, you got to sign that player. <laughs> it's like, for fuck's sake. You've got an army of scouts out there watching the players play. <laughs> yeah. Well, to be fair, i got my ultimate scout. Baz is at every game. So, uh, and I've obviously been watching every game and analysing and yeah, I've got other eyes as well watching games, but uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it actually watching the play. Well, I thought the one today was crap, the League 2 yeah. one, so I thought it was a really, really poor standard. If I'm honest, I don't want to sound like critical of the two teams involved, but I thought it was like not good on the eye. I thought the League 1 one was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Championship one, really good. Uh, some of the semi-final games were better. I mean, the, the Newport and... Um, the Newport Forest uh, Green. Oh, Forest Green one, that was a that was that was a great stand. Like for League Two, that was great to watch. I mean, this this thing today was just shite. So, uh, but congrats to Morecambe, congrats to Blackpool, yeah, and a million pounds worth of congratulations to Brentford. So delighted. Exactly <laughs> more down the road and a lot more. So yeah, happy days. And uh, again, I am. Um, I should search through my Twitter feed for all those bed-wetting ass wipes that were uh, saying Ivan Tony's not worth five million, never mind my ten million pound valuation. <laughs> and now is isn't he record championship goal scorer in a season? Listen, I uh, I know my players and uh, if I'm a Liverpool fan, if they sign them tomorrow, I wouldn't lose sleep. I'd be delighted. Uh, over Divock Origi coming off the fucking bench. Um give me Ivan Tony any day of the week. He'd uh, and, and the funny thing is Liverpool play with fullbacks that just whip crosses in. Uh, you know, when they were going through that patch where they lost six in a row at home at Anfield, they must have put like 200 crosses in the box. I mean, my God almighty, Ivan Tony playing in that team with those fullbacks. Oof, oof. So, yeah, so be, uh, I'm really happy for Brentford because I like Matthew Benham, the owner. I like Rasmus, the director of football. He was messaging me yesterday saying, you got to come in Liverpool, uh, come to Brentford. Mm-hmm. He said, you got to come and sit in the director's box. I was like, yeah, fuck yeah. So, uh, I, really, really good people there at that club. So, I was really, really happy. Um, to see them finally do it because you know you get those clubs who are like the nearly nearly club the bridesmaids you know last year and they'd been in the playoffs before and you know a bit cruel last year so for it, for it to happen this time it was almost I watched the game and it was like it was never in doubt you know I mean they were so much stronger than uh, Swansea so uh, really really good game and uh, I've enjoyed watching the games to be fair because you, you're almost watching from a no pressure angle right you're just you're sitting back you, you, you've done your job it's like you finish work and you can watch everyone else slug their guts out so it's uh, yeah, it's it's been good. Um, I watched the Champions League. I watched the obviously the UEFA Cup final. So until the Euros are on, I'm going to be a bit starved of football. I know. All oh, eleven days we've got to wait, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm traveling in a couple of days. So yeah. I've been on to the hotel in Dubai, making sure my villa's got all the games piped in. So me and Nat- Natalie will have our England shirt on, and uh, I'll be sitting there with my hands down my throat with that, and joking of course, <laughs> watching, watching the games. So uh, yeah, looking forward to it. To be fair, and, yeah. And, and, and Sammy Schmodek's called up by Ireland this week. Yeah, phenomenal. Really, really good. Uh, bad time. Ireland got some exciting uh, flair type players. Uh, I think they were ringing Johnson Clark Harris to find out if he had grandparents that were Irish as well. They did. So, uh, but he does dusting off the old Jack Charlton playbook. Hey, do what you got to do. You mm-hmm. do what you got to do. Do you know what I mean it's uh, we're lacking over there? So uh, we could do with some talent, but it'd be, it'd be great to see some uh, 
you know, Ronnie Edwards was, was with the England under-19s training. So I would imagine you're going to see a few internationals at Peterborough next year. It's going to be quite uh, good to watch that. So you've been sorting out your new contracts. No, uh, no time wasted there over the last week or two. Nope. Um, brilliant. I um, The day after we won promotion, um, I've still got the email. I think it was like 7.55 in the morning. I sent every contract that I wanted to renew and do to Barry and Liz, to liaise with agents, liaise with players. Mm-hmm. I had to get involved with a couple of players myself who were saying no. Um, a few players had option contracts and they were expensive options. You know, options usually are that more pricey. And to be fair to all the lads, every one of them, we got there in the end with Pimmy. Um, they pretty much signed on for what I wanted them to. And, and some of them actually took uh, pay cuts with better incentives in the contract. Mm-hmm. So realizing that when we signed contracts two years ago, it was pre-COVID. And a lot of these lads want to play in the champs. So every single one of them signed. There's one player left who is, I think it's Beeves, the captain who we're talking mm-hmm. to about a, an extension to his deal. Uh, and look, I'm always very transparent with our players. I said to them, look, if you, you know, if you don't sign, it's the policy of the club. You go on the list in the final year of your deal. So, um, you know, we're very upfront and, per- and clear about that. And once all the lads got their head around it, it was, it was very, very straightforward. It's really funny. I was dealing with them. Um, I was dealing with Gareth Bale's agent on a phone call. He had a cigar as long as my arm. He represents, I think, is it Frankie Kent? He represents. And he was great in his, in his penthouse in Chelsea. So we were having a laugh, and uh, you know, he was he's doing deals for. He just done Ianacho at Leicester's contract. Mm-hmm. He's done what he was going through all. It. He's Grealish's agent, and there he is, like dealing with me, dealing with Ken, Frankie Kent's contract in League One, going for the championship. So, but to be fair to him, um, he was like, listen. You know, Frankie, for example, he just he wants to stay. He loves it at Peterborough. You know, the manager loves him. These players know that they're going to get a chance now to shine in the champ, to play. You know, if they go straight away now, will they get in other teams? Will they get in the championship team? Do, do any of them want to stay in League One? You know, so so there was a real will on their side. There was a will on our side. And yeah, it was. I'll be honest with you. I'm really chuffed that we got it all done pretty efficiently and pretty quickly. And that, and that's the you know, you got to do your business like that because. I like to tie all our assets down, and then we pretty much have every asset tied down. I think it was one, the youngster Flynn Clark, you know, his agent and, and his and his parents and him. He didn't want to resign, so we'll be selling him to a Premier League club in the next few weeks. Um, he's he's he, same place he's always wanted to go to. He's made it very clear. That's a real shame because he would have been at eighteen involved in the championship. Um, but this is the way it is sometimes with young players. Um, but yeah, really, really, uh, really, really promising and. Uh, and we've met a few uh, out-of-contract uh, players that are on our hit list as well. We've already started that process. Um, we've had a few good meetings. And um, it's it's funny being in the free market. You know, you, you're up against, like, a lot of other clubs. It's not like when we, we pay 500 grand for a player or a million pounds. There's very few clubs do that. So you're not really in massive competition. Um, when you go down a couple of – because there's a couple of players you're looking at that are out of contract and it's in the free market – uh, and the interest in those players, you can see the other counter offers. So that's a lot more competitive. So I'm kind of enjoying that. We're probably losing most of them because we can't pay the kind of wages that some clubs in the champ. Well, but that's okay. That's fine. I, you know, I knew that we plan A, B, and C. Um, and we've made multiple bids as well for players. We've made about, I think, uh, six bids for players that are on my on my uh, list that uh, that I'm enjoying looking at. So fans will be like, when are we signing someone? When are we signing someone? I'll say, look. We've got recruitment really well done the last two seasons, and we want to go for the hat trick and, and and get it done really well. As well. you know, we're all on it. I'm on it night and day. Barry's on it. 
the managers staying in the UK, he's meeting these players that we're setting up the meetings for. So everyone's aligned uh, and, and for, the, for the right thing to happen when it happens. Now, do you have a magic number of how many players you want to bring in or um, is some of that going to depend on who comes, uh, who goes out as well? Yeah, so there's, I think in the list at the moment, there's about eight, eight we need. Mm-hmm. Now, that could become seven if we decide we need to go a little bit heavier on one and then you lose one. You know, so we, we've got to match that up. Now, we also have to bear in mind what you don't want to do. You don't want to bring in a load of players on loads of money or loads more money than your current squad are on because that'll just create a cancer in the dressing room. Yeah. And we're not going to, we're not going to do that. And it would be unfair to the players who got us there. Now, our squad know that we need a couple of maybe bigger hitters to come in. They also know that. But if you start bringing in more than that, it becomes chaotic. So this has to be like surgical precision, this recruitment. And trust me, it's been going on since, like I said to you, that Sunday morning after the Lincoln game. This has been in full. And, of course, the fun and games with agents and clubs and everyone spending championship money and me going fuck off and cunts and wankers and it's not happening. But, again, when you've been doing it 15 years, it's I don't I don't panic. I don't get excited. I don't get disappointed. You know, I'm, I'm, I keep an even keel. Um, I'm, I stick to my guns because you have to when it comes to recruitment. You know, myself, the manager, we know the formations we're going to be playing. We know the kind of players we need in terms of physicality, dynasis, dyna, what's the right word, dynasism for dynamic, you know, um, you know, are we going to be playing a press game next year? Are we going to be playing 3-5-2? Are we going to be playing 4-3-3? Are we playing 4-2-3-1? We know what we're doing. I'm not telling people what we're doing, but we know exactly already what we need to do, what we need to improve, the little inches that we're going to include, you know, maybe some new staff to help, you know, certain things. We know that we have to get those things right if we want to thrive in the championship. Now, when you have agents that throw names at you, um, are they? is it typically that you've, they'll already be on your list and you've already done some due diligence or are you getting names thrown at you that either you may have thought, well, that wasn't, we didn't even think that we could go to that level or we didn't really have an eye on them. You know, how do you kind of compute that with everything you do? It's a mix. Every day, like just before I came on here, another agent send over his client list and whatever. Of course, there's a few surprise names, but you're like you know, 31, 32, been on 50 grand a week. You're not going to pay day with us. Are they fit? You go through it. You know, I, I know all the players. You know what I mean? There's no player that's shocked me or surprised me. Um, and agents know how I operate as well. You know, and, and also you get, you know, no, we had a, we yesterday I was watching the Lincoln game and our fans were like, oh, you got to get a boy from Man City on loan. I made a very conscious rule and the partners agreed with me on this. We are not recruiting players at 10 or striker or even really wide on loan. That is your asset base. That's where you get your big money for clubs like us to help us build. You would not bring in and improve someone else's player. So even though a Rogers from Man City Electric, the boy Brendan Johnson from Forest, if they were available, no, we'd rather buy players like that. Mm-hmm. And they're not really for sale. So do you know what I mean? And, that, and that's kind of our mindset. And agents know that too. So that's never changed. And they also know as well when they approach me, that there's going to be, you know, a little bit of fire and brimstone coming at them as well with some of the figures they want, you know. So all fun and games at the moment, enjoying it. And, and I'm heading off on holiday in two days, but I'm still working every day. Did a Zoom call with an agent and a player actually uh, two and a half hours ago, just after I did all our PCR tests for traveling. So uh, it's kind of like juggling. Well, it's. Uh, I'm sure it keeps you like motivated, though. And I mean, you, you're. In, it's like rebuilding. Well, not rebuilding, but you're building something. You know, last year was all about just maintaining the status quo and maybe one or two final pieces of the puzzle. Now you're kind of breaking the puzzle up and trying to figure things out again. Yeah, yeah. We, we you know, we we've a really 
a settled, um, would you call it squad, the 14, 15 players. Mm-hmm. And knowing that maybe one, two leave, you know, high asset sales, if, if there's, you know, the interest carries on. So that means to get a squad of 22, 23 that are, you know, ready for the championship, not the under 23s, not the under 19s. I'm talking about in that squad, we're going to need to make signs. If we had to play 11 tomorrow, we'd have a very good 11 mm-hmm. for the championship. But this is about improving the squad. Um, this is going to be physically demanding like we've never seen. We, we have to be at it from, from day one. Look, preseason's already booked. We're off to Portugal. Yeah. Um, the whole program is being designed. Players have got individual programs. Some players are going to have to put muscle on. You know, we've got, we've got injuries we've got to take care of and make sure players can do 50 games next year. So that's like retraining bodies and minds and all of those little things are like, you know, so we're looking at an extra coach for a certain something we weren't great at last year. So we're going to improve on it this year. I've had a lot of foreign scouts or agents come in with players. I said, look, year one, it won't be foreign players. Year two, yes. So we need to find our feet. We need to get established. And then we're going to open up our little magic book of tricks for international scout, uh, players, which we've never really done before. But I'm building something for that. That's quite exciting. So, But I'm like, we're doing that in 12 months. We're not doing that right now. So, uh, yeah, look. So it keeps you busy. Um, watching the games, I really enjoyed. Did you watch the playoff games yourself? Have you watched all of them? Yeah, pretty much. Didn't get all the semis, uh, but I watched all the finals this weekend. Yeah. Any standouts for you? Um, I mean, like like you said, Brentford were just, I mean, it, that was like a lot of these times it's just destiny. You know from kickoff that someone is just destined to win. It felt like it was um, Brentford's time. Uh, the game yesterday, it was Blackpool. Um, I was... It's it's funny. I wasn't rooting for any of them. It's the same as today in the Newport game, Newport Markham. I didn't really care who won. I just wanted to see uh, good football. But I was surprised that I thought Lincoln would have given a better showing. Um, or maybe it was Blackpool did really well. I was good at for Lincoln. Um, I tell you what that is. That's the Blackpool manager. He, he's crafty. Uh, you know, they they made us look ordinary, and I think that was because he is a very good game plan. And he knows how to defend and he knows how to set his team up to stop other teams playing. And they're probably the best at it in the league one, to be fair to them. And I said to my manager, fuck me, he's had your number twice. You know, you're going to have to work on that next year. And I think he had Lincoln's number because Lincoln didn't have a shot on target the whole game, which for such an attacking side. And, and it would be unfair to say, oh, well, they choked, they have young players. No, I just think Blackpool, such an effective game plan and they executed it like very well. Because if you look at the Blackpool team, you don't think, well, you know, there's a centre half you pay three million for. There's a right. It, it's very much a sum of all parts. It's very well put together. Yes, they've got Yates, who everyone raves about and likes and whatever else up front. But you you go around the Blackpool team. He's very much built a team. You know what I mean? And it's not an individual team. It's very much a team. Uh, and yeah, I was very impressed. And he's a very good manager, Critchley. Yeah, and, and they came in with momentum. I mean, it's always the case in the playoffs too, isn't it? You know, Lincoln probably felt that they were disappointed not to go up automatically, um, especially being so close and and Blackpool on form. They came into it on form. It's really interesting as well. If you if you go off, and this happened a few years ago at Swindon, when you have a lot of lone players, Swindon got to the League One final. And I think they had eight lone players in their squad, five in their team. They had all the Tottenham boys and the Aston Villa boys when Tim Sherwood was messing about there. And if you look at Lincoln again yesterday, the goalie was on loan. You know, Rogers is on loan. Brendan Johnson is on loan. Quite a few of their key parts were loan players that came in. Um, 
And my missus even said to me, geez, it doesn't seem really fair. You know, teams have got like loads of loans. She, I said, that's just football. It's allowed. Mm. But it is interesting that the teams I've known relied heavily on loans haven't gone up. Yeah. It's like, do they really want it? Because what's the impact on their career? Well, there isn't really an impact on their career. One's gone back to West Brom. One's gone back to Man City. One's gone back to Forest. When you bleed for a club and you contract it to a club and you know next season you're going to be in League One again, whereas the others now they're going back to the Premier League, they're going back to the Championship. So that, that can be the danger sometimes of it. Now, look, they got them there. So you can criticise on one hand and you can praise on the other. But, you know, look, Michael Appleton, what he's really good at, Appy, is he, he, he identifies young talents. He's done it like amazing with Lincoln this year. When we played them on TV, I think just after Christmas, they were top and we were like 10 points off them. And we come off obviously being closed down for Christmas. So, you know, they, they've had a really, really good season. So I, I hope they go again next year. I felt like the worst thing that happened to them was that their goalkeeper came back. And that sounds, uh, it doesn't sound very complimentary on the he, keeper. He, yeah, he wasn't great yesterday. When they had the emergency loan um, with your guy, then, um, you know, I felt that maybe he did a better job. Yeah, no, he was. To be fair, though, their goalie's actually very good, Palmer. He's from West Brom, I think. He's a good goalie, but I thought both of the goals the midfielder scored yesterday. Yeah, I'd be disappointed. If that was my goalie, I'd be like, you didn't get down quick enough for them. You know, so he'd look back at that and be like, mm, you know, but again, he'll go back to West Brom in the championship. So, you, you know, a little bit of what I'm saying. So it's it, it's such a, it's like heaven and hell being in the playoffs. It's heaven when you win, it's hell if you don't. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, but that's the beauty. I, I was thinking yesterday watching, America fucked up so badly with the MLS. When you watch our beloved pyramid, and you watch the proper playoffs. Not like the American playoffs where like fucking 20 teams make the playoffs or whatever. I was like, yeah, offer one trophy. Correct. You watch our pyramid and you look how it's done, promotion, relegation. There is no better system in world football than the EFL pyramid. It's the best in the world. And why, I've said this for years, I could write a document for the MLS and turn around everything in that league to make their ratings blockbuster. It's not rocket science, this. And they insist on this no going down situation where losers make playoffs and stuff. It just it makes no sense. Well, it's just half of valuation, business valuations, isn't it? It doesn't matter about the fans. Stupid. The entertainment's what drives the valuations because you get better TV deals. You know, if the MLS was really exciting, everyone would be paying for it. It's de-risking, isn't it? As opposed to maximizing the value of the clubs so that they can go and pitch their $2 billion or whatever they want for a new club to come and invest that they're not going to lose, that, uh, lose on that. Cor correct. And I see Beckham's had some issues with his Inter-Miami or whatever, breaking mm -hmm. the rules. I mean, he's, he's not having the best start to ownership as a club owner, is he? So, uh, but yeah, interesting stuff. So um, let's see. Uh, what we want to do today is we want to go through the leagues a little bit. We touched on each one of them in the playoffs, but... Um, well, let's, let's... Hang on. Hang on, hang on. For the Bradford fans, let's talk Bradford for two All minutes. Right. So who, who's the next manager of Bradford? Come on, put your life on it. I guess we'll see in a couple of days. Do you need cream for your ass, that venture run? <laughs> if the press is to be believed it's going to be Derek Adams okay um, you know there's a lot of noise out there um, that I've seen in the local paper happy with that um, you know we we talked a couple of weeks ago about um, <laughs> when you're enraged everyone will has a Bradford postcode talking about Steve Evans but you know I think the fact remains that you got to do what you got to do to get out of this league did that, did that upset people that I said that it seemed to make a few headlines <laughs> it was uh, yeah it was interesting to kind of sit back and watch that you could have probably said anybody except for Steve Evans but um, yeah I think that it seems like he's going to be the one that comes in um, is it good or not well he's worked miracles with Markham he got Plymouth out he's done a job at Ross County I mean he's got a track record 
Um, I think that he's going to be the steal that we're missing. There's going to be no like Mr. Nice Guy on the training ground, I don't think. I think the players are going to know that they're uh, in for a bit of a ride. And, you know, you either kind of go with a program or you get out. And perhaps we've needed a little bit of that. Would you go for him over Michael Flynn if Michael Flynn was available? Um, I don't know. You know, I think that the emotive side of me would say Michael Flynn. You know, because Michael Flynn has history with us. Um, ex-player, yep. Yep, ex-player. He's done a great job at Newport. He's done it a couple of times. He couldn't quite get them over the final hurdle, but um, I respect what he's done there for sure. Derek Adams, I guess, has been there and done it. So he's got a little bit more history. But um, it would be a tough call. You know, I wouldn't really know how to... Who would you go with? Ooh, out of those two. Uh... Yeah, Adams is like, you know, I don't know how to read him. doesn't give a lot of weight. You know, I said it before, miracle job he's done with Morecambe and again, bringing him up today and whatever else. Um, who do I go with? Me, personally, Michael Flynn. Yeah. I think he's younger, he's hungrier. Um, I think two years with Newport doing what he's done. Um, you know, they've been up there, they've been consistent. I think he could handle a big club. I think being an ex-Bradford player, he'll get the time. I think if he's backed, um, I think, yeah, I think you'd be favourites to win the title. Now, in saying that, Derek Adams will probably go in there and get you promoted as well. Yeah. So, you know, very much of a muchness. I think either of those two, you're okay. You know, I, I think Flynn has more chance of a success than Adams because I think if the pressure comes on, on Adams, it could go sour. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas if it goes on Michael Flynn a bit, I know McCall was ex-Bradford and a legend and everything else. I think Flynn would get a little bit more patience off the Bradford faithful. I think that's fair. Look, it's two things that are key. One is the right manager and two is the right recruitment. So I, I, I guess you, you've got a big summer coming up. And you told me previously you didn't have loads of players hanging over from the year before. So it's kind of like you can clear the decks, you can start again. It's a fascinating project, the Bradford one. So, you, you, you know, for anyone who would buy a club or anyone who wants to manage a club. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's only eight or nine under contract, I think. We pretty much got rid of everybody who was coming out of contract. Perfect. It's it's a fresh page. It's it's Look... Critchley went into Blackpool. I think he signed 17 players. So it can be done. Do you know what I mean? It, it can be done. You know what I mean? So um, I think I, I'd be astonished if you didn't get promoted next year. So I, I, know, I know you've been like heartbroken. You've had your ups and downs this season, but I would imagine it'd be much better next season. Well, you know, you never lose that. Um, what's the word? Like the assumption that it's going to be our year because, you know, as much as we tell ourselves we are where we deserve to be, you still look around and think, how you know? Look at the game today. How did we finish fifteenth in that division? You're a massive club. You're a massive club. It's it's like you know, you, it's like when Portsmouth were in League Two. You know, you're a massive. You're the big. You're going to be the biggest club left in that league, aren't you? This year. Yeah. I mean, I I I, I couldn't name all twenty odd clubs in there, but I think Bradford are the biggest club in that league. Yeah. So with, with all due respect to Sutton and to Stevenage and to you know the other clubs, you are the biggest club by a fucking mile in that league. So you know, come on, Bradford. Get your shit together. Let's get Phil smiling and let's get the promotion track. Just a few points would be nice. Absolutely, baby. League title. Well, we should do. We should be. That should be the goal. I mean, um, and that's just going back to you saying Adams versus Flynn. I think with Derek Adams, it's going to a lot of depend on his style of play because if he plays, if he doesn't have the uh, the nicest on the eye style of play, and you know, let's see if he's just he has one one way of playing or whether he's just a pragmatist and that's, you know, he wanted to get the best out of the players at his disposal. But if things aren't, if we're not top of the table or top three, 
and we're playing not very entertaining football, people will turn on him. Valley Parade will be aggressive. Yeah, will be aggressive. We chased Gary Boyo out, you know, when he was in the playoffs because we thought the football was boring. Yeah. yeah. No, I listen, I've, I've seen it at Peterborough. Steve Evans. You know what I mean? I've seen it. You know what I mean? People, you know, it, it, unfortunately, managers get tarred with a certain brush. It's it's the way it is, you know. But I, I, I guess, you know, you ask any Burnley fans, are they fed up, you know, being in the Premier League every year? The answer would be no. So, you know, and you look at Burnley, and, and I don't mind. I watch them against Liverpool, and, you know, the way they play the target man, they get it in behind. Listen, it, it, it's traditional English football. It's the way it goes. You know what I mean? And I dare say, if Sean Dyche had a two hundred million pound budget, he might try something different. But you know, you you, you know, you, you deal the apples you dealt with, and that's what you get on with. So yeah, it'd be interesting. So what else we got to cover? So let's talk about the Champions League. You watched that one on what was that? It seems like a lifetime ago already with all the playoffs, but that was Saturday night, wasn't it? Yeah, Pep, Pep, Pep. I don't know what's up with him. No, I don't know why he shoots himself in the foot all the time. You know, with um, obviously leaving out a holding midfielder. It was very apparent from the FA Cup game, the league game, that Chelsea had their number. And it was very apparent that Warner, even though he's not scoring goals, he was always causing Man City problems on the counter-attack. You know, pace, pace. It was a real blueprint for how to play Man City next year. You know, pace, man off the shoulder, get in behind. You know, Chelsea really worked. Look, Tuchel's a great manager. And typical Chelsea going against everyone, firing their manager, changing their manager, and still winning the Champions League. That's so Abramovich. Well done. Fair play. Um, I, I wanted Pep to win another Champions League. I wanted him to do it in Man City. Um, but I guess, look, they, they'll go out and reload in the summer and probably buy Harry Kane and probably buy fucking someone else. So mm-hmm. it's going to be a big job on next year for Liverpool to try and, you know, I was delighted with Liverpool's run in. Fair play to Klopp. Again, data never lies. Not rocket science. When you play Fabinho in midfield, you win games. When you keep playing him at centre half, Liverpool don't win games. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he he has to take responsibility for part of the issue, even though we had the injuries. And thankfully, he corrected it and we had a good run in. And, and Liverpool need to do some business this summer because they will not be vying for a title with the current squad. Not a chance in hell. Do you think they're going to get have the money or do you think Klopp's going to have the money available to do what he needs to do to the squad? Well, you know, their owners have done a deal where they've valued their group at $7.5 They definitely have money. Um, the net spend's been terrible the last few years. So, I mean, if, if they can't go, knowing that they nearly lost out in Champions League and nearly kissed goodbye to 70 million because of their frugality, you know, being frugal in the transfer market, that nearly cost them 70 million quid. That, that's a warning. So, if I'm sitting there, I'm going, what do we need? They signed the center half, obviously, from Red Bull, uh, Leipzig, you know, 36 mil, probably paid over four years. They're going to have to go out and spend, in my opinion, 80 to 120 million on three players. They're going to need Wijnaldum replacement. They're going to need a top-class striker. And they're probably going to need something else a bit different. So they are going to have to make some signings, yeah, for me. Absolutely. Otherwise, they they will not be competing with City or Chelsea. City-Chelsea will be the two favourites next year, without a doubt. Now, do they need to bring in more, I guess, reinforcements at the back, given that the whole season kind of hinged on Van Dijk being injured? No, 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 they'll have Gomez back. They'll have, obviously, Van Dijk fit. And Matip's still there. And Nat Phillips did brilliant, I thought. Uh, you know, real hustle and bustle, strong center half. They brought in the boy from Leipzig, Konate or whatever his name is. You know, my only issue with him is he's got injury records. So if they keep them fit, there'll be no problem. If Henderson can stay fit, no problem. They need goals. They need a, they need a number nine. I love Bobby Firmino. Time to go. 
They need a number nine. They need a nine that can score 25 goals and support Salah. Mane's kind of off the boil. Jota's good. Is he going to score 30 goals? Not sure. They definitely need uh, a box-to-box central midfielder, you know, in the mold of replacing Ronaldo. So there is business to be done. Uh, if they don't do it, they could struggle top four next year. Now, you said earlier about Ivan Tony and that team. How many goals would is Ivan Tony, you know, would get in the Premier League? What would you peg him at? If he played for a top 12 club, 20 goals all day long. If he stays with Brentford, 15 Premier League goals. If he moves to uh, an Aston Villa, um, 15, 17 goals. So for me, I don't mind if he stays at Brentford. We get paid if they stay in the Premier League. We get paid if he plays. We get paid if he scores goals. I honestly think he could play for any of the top six teams in that league. I think if he was in you know, an Everton team, score goals. If he was in Chelsea's team, score goals. Liverpool, Man United, any of those teams, he's, he's top class. And he's 24, 25 now. He hasn't come to the peak of his powers because of the type of striker he is. Um, I would expect to see him capped by England next year. So that's what you want. You want England cap. You want him to prove himself in the Premier League and then that'll add a few more zeros to the, uh, uh, to the salon. Gets, gets sold for 70 million. Happy mm-hmm. days. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, happy days indeed. So yeah, you know, but look, that's the dream. That's what you want to see happen. Uh, and good luck to him. Uh, and, and now I'm excited to see what our next gen of players can do in the champ. So, you know, it's all there in front of us. How do you peg Brentford's chances of staying up next season? Oh, comfortable. Comfortable. And I, I, I wouldn't lose a minute's sleep. They, there's no way they'll be relegated. Very comfortable. I think they'll be outside chance of top 12, if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, well-run club, well put together. Good coach, good system, good physicality. Um, they have the centre-half sort of ruggedness. They have the dynamism in the final third. They'll add to it this summer. They have 200 million to play with. They spend money well. You could almost bet your left testicle that they'll be fine. Um, you know, and like I said about Leeds, my prediction for Leeds, I think, was top 10. Yeah. Where did Leeds finish? Anyway, without, you know, patting myself on the back. So, again, I think very, very comfortable. I, you know, I, I, you know, it's funny. You worry about a Norwich, but I wouldn't worry about a Brentford. Mm-hmm. What about the Watford in the middle? Yeah, because of their ownership, the foreign players, you know, whatever else, the experience they've got, I think they'll be fine. I don't think they'll have an issue. Um, you know, look, I wouldn't want to pick who's going to get relegated next year from the Premier League. Um, but, I, yeah, I, I think two of the three that went up are going to stay up. Um, so one of them will definitely come down. Um, be interesting. Be good next year. You know what I mean? We've uh, been a long year, you know, with COVID. So it'll be interesting now to see normality again come August. Plus, you've got fans back. Yeah. It's been nice to see, although I still don't understand how they limited the number of fans in the same stadium as they were allowed 20,000 a week ago. Because allow me my COVID rant, my friend. Um, My wife's British, so excuse this rant against Britain. Um, I don't know what planet that wet, white, bedwetting, idiotic government sage, whatever, they're as bad as the CDC are living on. COVID, the pandemic, is being wiped away and beaten. The vaccination process is working. There were zero deaths in the UK today or yesterday. The third wave nonsense is a bunch of young people who are now getting COVID. Uh, that's called herd immunity. Um, it was always about the over 50s. I got vaccinated. I'm sick of people talking about vaccinating our children. Our children have given up enough for the last 15 months. Why the fuck should my 12-year-old sacrifice any more for a 60-year-old who doesn't want to go and get vaccinated? And for those who say, but you can still spread it. Yeah, you're right. But the whole point of vaccination is you can still get it with a vaccine but there's fuck all chance they got in the hospital or dying. 
So everyone needs to do their homework. The British government and the British media who've earned billions off all of this and the advertising don't want it to end. And it's up to now all British citizens, bar the bedwetters hiding behind their couch, you love a lockdown, to make sure this ends. Because this has ended. So the idea that we won't have full fans in August to be criminal, then it really is time to start taking lawsuits out and suing these motherfuckers. Do you know what I mean? Because right now I'm watching Wembley and I'm going, that should be full. Right. We live in Florida. We don't wear masks anymore. You know, my daughter was at the theme park yesterday. No mask. I'm in Starbucks today. No mask. Supermarket. No mask. You know, this thing is beaten over here in America because it's now got to the point where we're getting, I think, 17,000 cases a day, which is flu-like numbers. The flu in a flu season gets 400,000 cases a day. COVID's getting 17,000 a day in America. It's even less than the flu. It's dropped down to, I think, the eighth worst virus when it comes to mortality at the moment. Vaccines are working. That's great news. I don't know why everyone in Britain, the media, the government, don't embrace it. Stop with your crap. You shut everyone down for Christmas. You shut them down for five months. You promised the full opening on the 21st. Stop lying to everybody. And the good news is, I think people now are past the point of doing as they're told. I think if they pull the rug out from under them on the 21st of June, there's going to be fucking anarchy. And actually, rightly so. You know what I mean? So, enough already. So, um, full stadium time. Yeah. It was just, it's kind of a travesty, but I mean, it's good to see people in there, but it didn't make sense. 80,000 people. We're, we're told transmission numbers now are 0.1%. We're now being told the truth. Outdoor transmission is 0.1%. And you've got an 80,000 stadium with 10,000 people in it. So it's 90% empty or whatever, or whatever it was. I mean, are you out of your fucking minds? You want people outside, right? Yeah, and there was something in the uh, Washington Post today, and they were talking about the US, uh, the data for the US, how essentially everyone who's vaccinated, the uh, the incident rate is like 0.00006% or something like that. Everybody who is getting it, even though it's the lowest number it's been for a year, is all the unvaccinated. And at this point, that's a decision that those people are making. So everyone else is suffering for for that decision i agree i i, I agree look look if, if you know if, i'm vaccinated i did it you know it's fine but my kids shouldn't have to get vaccinated to protect the 60 year old phil you know go get yourself vaccinated why do my kids need to do that you know why do my kids you know my kids for 15 months have, have lost a lot and given up a lot people have lost businesses so now the vaccine's out why are we punishing people why are we talking vax passports why are we talking about you need to why is everyone on the left have to make it political where it's like i'm wearing my mask even though i'm vaccinated because i don't want to be like the maggot crowd fuck off and live your life you bunch of wet wipes do you know what i mean so we keep getting told to follow the science follow the fucking science stop already and britain my, my missus reads newspaper articles she, oh here we go the indian variant the bermuda variant the kenyan variant the next it'll be the Jupiter variant i'm still waiting on the report from the south african variant in january when he shut down england for five months and he said, this actually kills more people. Still waiting for the report on that because I tweeted at the time, bullshit. So, you, you know, people have to start standing up. And all these people who call you a COVID denier, they need to stop hiding behind that cowardly shit and realize, no, I'm not a COVID denier. Otherwise, I wouldn't have got a vaccine. All right? I'm a fucking realist. I've got two eyes. I can read data. All right? Unlike you, you fucking morons. You're just like frightened out of your wits over everything. This pandemic is done. And you can see it in America, Phil. 150,000 people were at NASCAR yesterday. Mm-hmm. And the great news here is, in fairness, we don't talk about variants in America anymore. Not even your beloved CNN mentioned variants anymore. They've even given up trying to frighten people. So now that we've moved to the point where the left media has given up frightening people, we're in a good spot. And that has to happen in the UK. Unfortunately, they're still on that fucking gravy train. And it's sad to see. I call—I think I called the British press yesterday skid marks. 
the ones who keep frightening people. Because there was like a headline yesterday, the variant's going to stop the 21st opening because of all the reinfections from vaccinated people. When you read the actual article, it was 20 people. It was a breakthrough infection. People have been vaccinated. You still can get it. None of the 20 people went to hospital. That was the real story in there. Yeah. But I didn't talk about that. The talk about the Indian variant made the breakthrough. It's bull- stop, stop. Anyway, back to football. Let's have full crowds. Let's have normal life. Let's put this in the rearview mirror. So let's then uh, segue into League One. <laughs> That's the most interesting segue I've done so far, I think. Um, so what do we have in League One? Well, we obviously had you, Hull, and Blackpool being promoted. We had Rochdale, Northampton, Swindon, and Bristol Rovers um, being relegated. Now, were there any disappointments from your side that you couldn't win the league, or does it really not matter at the end of the day? No, massively, because I've won promotions. I've never won a league. And when you think we finished two points short, and I think we were the third worst team in League One on set pieces. Just imagine if we could take set pieces. We'd have won by a record points total. So, you know, there are massive disappointments not winning the league. You'll always take a promotion, but I would love the league trophy. Uh, and I felt with everything that went on the last 15 months, it would have been poetic for us to win the league title. But I have to give credit to Hull. You know, they, they won like 10 of their final 12. They had to do what they had to do to beat us. So, fair play. They did it. We stumbled a couple of times in the last eight, nine games at home, which is surprising. But at the end of the day, look, the three best teams in League One went up. I think everyone would agree with that. A lot of fans would agree with that. You know, us, Hull, Blackpool, with all due respect to Lincoln, you know, they were the three best, most consistent teams probably throughout the season. So particularly going towards the end of the season, you always talk about the strong teams, you know. The four who went down probably deserved to go down. Um, You know, League One's a frightening place next year, Phil. Um, if you were Bradford and you were going in that league and you were going through the, you know, name 10 big ex-Premier League clubs, you'd be kind of going, fucking hell. Like, hang on, where do I start? Sheffield Wednesday, Ipswich, Sunderland. I mean, you'd be just like fucking Bolton had just gone up. I mean, you know, it, 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 yes, it's, it, it's a graveyard of ex-Premier League teams. Uh, and, and I'd always said at the start of the season, we need to get out of this fucking league this year. Like, this league is like getting tougher and tougher and tougher. So, Listen, if a Burton Albion goes up next year out of this league or a Morecambe or someone pulls up Yeovil or a Miracle, fair fucking play. Because I'll tell you right now, oof, is, there are some big, 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 big clubs. And it'll be interesting to see now who they recruit and what they do in the summer. Well, there's a lot of money being spent at those big clubs as well to try and restore them because everybody, everybody sees the potential of those clubs and so everyone's throwing money at it. Absolutely. Yeah, listen, we haven't even spoken about Wigan. You know, there, there is a lot of potential. You know, Wigan will spend money. Ipswich will spend money. Sunderland will spend money. Sheffield Wednesday's owned by a wealthy guy. They're going to go back on the horse again. Portsmouth, owned by the Eisners. I don't know whether they'd spend the kind of money. But again, big clubs who are going to spend money. I mean, who have I missed there? I'm sure I've missed another big boy in there somewhere. I mean, there's big clubs in that league. Uh, um, you know, Lincoln again will probably go again. So Oxford, I haven't even mentioned Oxford. I mean, there's, you know, there's, there's, yeah, Jesus, I mean, there is a lot of good clubs in League One. So, um, wowee. I mean, it really is. This is this is the way it goes. So what was your biggest surprise this season in League One? Biggest surprise? Probably Lincoln. Yeah. You know, Lincoln were the year before, I think, 15th or 16th. They weren't good. Um, obviously, Appy had gone in there. He needed to recruit a lot of players, a lot of young loan players. I think the surprise was seeing them get to the top of the league and stay there and look strong and, you know, beating the teams and hammering teams. And I think around Christmas, I was looking at it going, fuck me, will they last the pace? So that was definitely a surprise. Um, 
who else was in there? I was surprised at Sunderland's finish. Mm-hmm. I thought Lee John. Well, I wasn't. I wasn't because Lee Johnson, unfortunately, where he's been at Bristol, he's, he's had some great starts, and he's always been criticised for never finishing strongly. So there was always that probably in the back of people's minds. Um, but I still think he's a good young manager. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, I was surprised that you know we played Sunderland on TV, and I think if they'd won, they would have gone above us in the second, and we deserve to win the game. So you know, you know, I I, I look at that and I go, yeah. Um, Interesting. The, the one I was surprised that it was really poor was Ipswich. You know, Lambert's not that bad a manager. So, you know, I, I don't know whether it's they got the recruitment wrong or what it was, but they were kind of, well, I, I think their journalist had posted at one stage that they'd failed to beat the top nine teams they played. And this is Ipswich you're talking about. That's not an easy place to go and win. Um, so, yeah, I was, I was kind of, kind of surprised there. Who else would have surprised me? No, no other big surprises. That, they, they'd be, I knew Hull would be there. I knew they'd be there. So, you, you, you know, they had a lot of good championship players. McCann recruited well in the summer. Um, Portsmouth, I was like that with Portsmouth. They hadn't recruited loads of different players. They'd kind of been the nearly men. You know, I knew, you know, if they did Kenny would be under pressure if they didn't do well. When they beat us early in the season, I thought they'd kick on, and they didn't. You know, they were on the ascendancy when we played them. We were on the descendancy and playing badly. And um, but but whatever went on there, it just didn't work for them. So yeah, it's been it's been a really really good league to be part of this season, and probably the best promote we've won promotion from League One three times, probably the best one from a strength point of view and all the odds and everything we had to deal with. And from a player perspective, now you can't name any of your own players. So your team aside, who's your player of the year? Oh, player of the year in there. Oof, my God Almighty, to be a few of them in there. I mean. Who would I name as some of the best players? I mean, obviously, Hull had a couple of very good players. Um, the ex-Sunderland boy, Honeyman, at Hull, excellent. He'd be, he'd be up there. Had a great season. Malik Wilkes had a great season. You know, you look at Lincoln, you, you, you talk about, you know, in their team, some of the players, Jorge Grants had a great season for them. Um, who else in, is in there? Charlie White for Sunderland. You know, his best season of his life, probably since he'd been at Bradford. Um Oxford had a couple of standout performances player-wise. It's really difficult. Look, the best player in the league was Johnson Clark Harris by a fucking mile. Um, you, you know what I mean? Around that, there was some very, very good players. Team of the year at four Sunderland players. I'm not sure about that. It was obviously picked by a Sunderland fan. Um, but, you know, you probably there's probably five, six players I'd identify and say, look, they were the big difference for the teams they played for. Um, you know, Blackpool would have Jerry Yates. Scored a lot of goals for them, even though he went he went cold at the end of the season. He had one and ten to finish with, but they had a lot of good players around in their team. Um, so yeah, so some 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 real standouts. So what was it that about Johnson Clark Harris that that made you think you know he's the guy that's going to take us to the next level? So when I had the recruitment meet last year and we were selling Ivan, I'd, I'd gone through Johnson's numbers for the pre- previous two years. Where he, um, where he came good in two, well, two seasons at Bristol Rovers. And I did a statistical analysis and I compared it to Ivan Tony because I knew we would have exactly the same team bar Ivan. So I knew the team that created X amount of chances for Ivan could create X amount of chances for Johnson Clark Harris. And what the analysis gave me was, was that Clark Harris was a 23% better finisher than Ivan, which in my mind meant if we created the same chances, he would score 23% more goals than Ivan. Uh, and 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 I knew there were some key fundamentals there. And don't get me wrong, there was some rows in the recruitment meetings. I was strong on it, and there were a couple of dissents on it. 
But there were a couple of things I needed to get right. One was John would never play 40 league games in a season. He'd always got 35, 36, never quite played 40, 45. So I needed to get his body right. Secondly was we needed to get 10 pounds off him. So there were some key things to get right and manage him during the season. He lost the weight because he came in quite late and he was carrying a little bit of timber. Fair play to the boy. He lost the weight quickly. He bought into the training program. We had his body analyzed. He had an expensive medical in London. There was nothing wrong with him. It was just how do we keep him fit? Um, and then obviously, how do we how do we still have the same style we had with Ivan and make sure Jono bought into that? You know, and, and with Sammy's pressing and with Dembele's trickery, how could Clark Harris deal with that? Ivan Tony knew how they played. So it was it was it was gelling that together, you know. And, and I was if you asked me at the time, I was 75% certain he'd win the golden boot. You know, you're never hundred percent certain. But I was pretty, pretty certain that we had the right character, we had the right mentality, we had the right squad around them. You know, if we delivered, if we get, put it this way, if Clark Harris had been in Sunderland's team and he got 45 league goals, if you think of all the crosses, I think we were 15th in crossing and he still got 31 league goals. Charlie White obviously was eating off and feeding off like 8, 9, 10, 11 crosses a game. Clark Harris was getting three a game. So you think about that and what he did as regards to crosses, and he's, he's pretty dominant in the air, and he's very good with his head, and he's very good in those situations. He would have probably gotten nearly half a century of goals playing for Sunderland. So, you know, to get 31 and the way we play, and, and you know, they weren't all tappings. Do you know what I mean? So, so there, was, there was a lot of good football in there. So, yeah, nailed on. Really, really good signing and, and delighted for him. And right now, as we speak, he's doing 30 miles a day on the bike, getting fit, because he wasn't fit when he came in last season, when he came in late. And I think he wants to prove everyone that he can be a top, top striker. And I think also he knows that we're probably going to play with a bit more of a press. And he's never really played in a high press because he's not that type of player. And I think he wants to show that he can run 11, 12 miles a game like Sammy. So I, I love that in a player. I'm getting like pictures and videos of like 29 kilometers today on the bike. You know what I mean? And this is like, he's meant to be having a break. So that kind of commitment to me is what I want to see from my players. All right. Well, let's finish off on League Two then. So... um League two, we had Cheltenham, Cambridge, Bolton, and then Morecambe today promoted. We had Grimsby and Southend relegated, and then Sutton so far. Yeah, promoted. yeah, man. Sutton, eh? Brilliant. I mean, what a job they've done. I mean, how fucking is the ball about Southend, though? I mean, my God. I know. Two relegations <sighs> in two years. and Yeah. And they looked uh, every part of a relegated team from the very beginning. Oh, God almighty. That's a real shame. You know, such a good club. Um, always enjoyed going there. Fair play to Cambridge, one of our old rivals. Um, I've owned a club 15 years and we've never been in the same league, funny enough. So it's, it's weird. Um, yeah, Cheltenham, what, what a job Duff's done there. Uh, they deserve to go up and bolt and then the comeback of all comebacks from January onwards, like a steam train. That's crazy. Um, you know, 19th back in uh, the beginning of the year, something like that, and they just didn't yeah. stop winning. And, and and to be fair, they've given their guy for a new contract. Uh, one of my old players, uh, Ricardo Santos, one of their standout players. Um, yeah. I mean, you you look at it, and, and again, some of those teams, they're not, they're not surrounded with superstars and flair players. It's very much a sum of all parts. It's It's team. Um, you know, obviously Cambridge have had Mullen with his 28 goals or 30 goals he scored. Um, Cheltenham, there was no standout, you know, prolific goal scorers. They're very strong defensively. One of the best defensive teams in the league. Obviously, Duff was an ex-defender, wasn't he? So, um, you know, uh, yeah, interesting uh, league. Uh, other players in there that I would... Who, who You've seen more of League 2 than I have. 
Um, you know, we obviously spoke about the Morecambe game today and, and Newport. Who would you say would be the standout players in League Two for you this year? I mean, that's a tough question as well because I don't think there's been a great deal of quality in that league. Um, you know, you had uh, Carlos Mendes Gomez today who was at, at Morecambe. He did pretty well. Uh, he always looked dangerous against us. Um, you've obviously got Paul Mullen, who you mentioned there before, that got the goals. Um, but, you know, I couldn't I couldn't say to you, you know what, these are the three players who have uh, turned around their seasons for their respective clubs. Um, and it's a division of like 10%. It's about being 10% better, isn't it? Yeah, I think Wes Hulan at 38 or whatever did brilliant for Cambridge and he was in the top three players of the of the year. So when you, when you look at that, yeah, I mean, there's no... There's no standout, standout, standout players. Do you know what I mean? In there, you know, as regards to that. Which makes it even more frustrating, you know, from a Bradford perspective that it wasn't, there wasn't a lot of quality in League Two at all this year. No, 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 no. So, look, it is what it is. Next year will be fascinating. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. And again, like a team like Sutton United, will Stockport come up with them? You know, who's going to get that second slot? You know, non-league, they went to the playoffs now. Um, you know, Gary Johnson's worked a miracle as usual over a Torquay. And those some of those clubs are going to come up stronger than the, than some of the other teams in League Two, you know, whether it's a Stockport, a Chesterfield, like you say, Torquay. Um, I mean, I wouldn't I would I don't look at those as gimmies. You know, sometimes when a team that comes up from especially from non league, you look at it and think, you know, they're really gonna struggle. Uh, like a Barrow or even a Harrogate, and I say that having Harrogate doing the double over us and Barrow beating us one time. 100%. And it's like that, though. You know, they get that momentum. I mean, what about the Hollywood elite having to fire their first manager at Wrexham? So uh, I saw that happen as well. No, uh, Deadpool at the Fire Kitty. Yeah, that was, uh, they missed out on the last day by a point, didn't they, or something? Uh, welcome to the uh, welcome to the world of football club ownership. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's a long way up from there, isn't it? So, yeah, it's uh, interesting. you got Tranmere who missed out, you know, sacked Keith Hill. Um, they went back to Mickey Mellon. Did, they, did he leave for a bigger club? Is that why Mickey Mellon left them? Because he was always a good fit for them. Yeah, I think he left to go up to Scotland. Um, and uh, Was it Dundee? Dundee United? I'm not quite sure. They, they'll be stronger next season. You know, they'll, they'll be very much stronger next season. So it'll be interesting um, what happens there. And James Vaughan just retired, which was a bit of a surprise. 32. Yeah, interesting. You know, it seems like so many players who say, you know, you got to play until you can, no, you can play no longer. And then there's others that just have had enough, whether it's mental, whether it's, um, you know, other priorities in their life. I don't know. I get. I, I guess if he's been told, say he's been told at the end of the season, look, we don't want to have you for another year. You're then going to go back into the free market. You've got to wait around pre-season. Maybe a player like Kim, he's thought, well, you know what, I've got something else I can do. I'm going to open a business. I'm going to get on with the second stage of my life. It must be very difficult at 32, 33, 34 to be a journeyman and like never know where you, it's not like I'm a three-year deal, you know, you're settled. So I empathize with players like that. Hopefully he's made a few quid. Hopefully, you know, he can do good things in the next stage of his career. Yeah. Well, and I think that's, that's pretty much it. I mean, next year is going to be another, um, I don't, again, think there's a lot of quality in League Two. As we look at who's come down, we talked about Rochdale, Swindon, Northampton, Bristol Rovers. Bristol Rovers surprised me, but I didn't watch League One every week. So I don't know whether that was, um, whether I'm just thinking that they're probably a League One rather than a League Two team. Swindon imploded, and I'm not sure what kind of state they're going to be in next year. Rochdale are always yo-yoing, don't have a, a big budget, and Northampton too. So Yeah, I mean, Northampton have always seemed to have that bit of, They've, they've won a couple of title, playoffs and titles in League Two. So that yo-yo about them, 
don't know about Bristol Rovers because Joey Barton, I'm not sure about that whole dynamic. So, but it is a big club. They don't deserve to be in League Two. They are a bigger club than that. So that'll be interesting. They'll be one of the bigger clubs in there with Bradford. So, uh, and uh, but they've a good owner. They've got a few quid. I would imagine. It's just, again, it's the Barton thing. I don't know. So that that'll be interesting to see where that goes. Um, who else? And that's it. Well, the only thing we got to look forward to now is the Euros. So who's your pick for the Euros? Well, I honestly I don't know enough about. Um... I feel like I've been a little bit distanced from uh, from country football, if you will, for a while. Uh, I know everyone's excited about the England team and that the England team is growing and that uh, perhaps being it being pushed off a year has been a good thing for some of that talent to get a little bit more experience. Um, but it seems like France is still the team to beat. Outside one for me, Belgium. Now, do you think that De Bruyne, if he's out, will that play a big role in that? He won't be out. He'll have a mask on. So, you know, broken eye socket, he's got, what, three weeks or two weeks or whatever else. So I think he'd be fine. It'd be Belgium, it'd be France. Another one would be Italy to look at now uh, as, a, as a dark horse. Um, so, yeah, let's see. I mean, England, I'm not sure he's too conservative for me, Southgate. Uh, you know, he's not going to pick Trent Alexander-Arnold, which I think is a catastrophic mistake. No, no disrespect to a Trippier, but I know who I'd rather have. Uh, you, know, you know, I get it. He likes his, wing, his right back to defend. Right, no problem. You know, this is probably you know the best young fullback in in the world. You know, who being a Real Madrid team for fun, so who's come through a bad period and actually come finish strongly. So I think that's a mistake. But he goes more for the Reese James. He goes more for the the Trippiers. Do you know what I mean? So, but that that kind of that's a window into the solar Southgate himself. Safety first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, maybe that's just. <laughs> It's the the, cho- the the poison chalice of the England role is that that's how the press kind of drive the managers to behave is that they don't want to take risks and they want to build from a, a solid foundation. They've they've got a squad that could win anything. When you look at the players in there, Mount, Foden, uh, Greenwood, uh, Rashford, you know Sterling when he's on form, Harry Kane, the best goal scorer in the world. And we just mentioned three, four right backs are as good as anyone. Chilwell on the left side. I mean that is loaded with talent loaded with talent if there's ever a time England they're going to win a title they have to do it this summer I'm just not sure management wise it's going to happen I guess uh, we will see time will tell we will see well listen let's say goodbye for the finale it's been absolutely exhilarating for those who want to listen to us still through the summer until we're back for season two in in, in the end of July you can go to hardtruthbusiness.com and subscribe to our business podcast and uh, we're on there every week Yeah, and thank you throughout the season for everybody's support and for your questions and uh, for tuning in. Um, We want to go bigger and better next year. We'll be back, as uh, Dara said, end of the summer. Championship podcast. Yeah, for for one of us at least. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, And we're always looking for a head sponsor. Anyone wants to sponsor season two, hit us up. Email Phil at. Yeah, contact at hardtruthfootball.com. There you go. So for now, have a great summer. Stay safe, everybody. Demand your freedom. Enjoy your freedom. Have a great summer. All right. Talk to you all soon. Bye-bye.